This is Decoding Learning Differences with Kimberlyn Lavelle. This episode is Phonemic Awareness and Dyslexia. So in this episode, we'll be getting into what phonemic awareness is and how it is affected by dyslexia and what we can do about it, how we can support kids who have dyslexia or have trouble with phonemic awareness. So phonemic awareness is all about rhyming, blending, segmenting, deleting. Um, it's being aware of the sounds in words. So kids who are really good at rhyming usually have good phonemic awareness because you're taking a word, deleting one of the sounds, replacing it with a new sound, all without even realizing you're doing it because you're just, you hear the sounds individually. You can break the word apart. You know, you're segmenting it out and you're deleting a sound. You've, you can tell that each sound is separate in the word. So, kids with really strong phonemic awareness or even average phonemic awareness tend to be good at rhyming, good at segmenting, good at blending those sounds together. So segmenting is breaking it into pieces that if you say cat, the kid can say k-a-t. And then blending that if you say k-a-t, the kid can say cat. Now you have to be careful that you don't always use words like cat because cat is one of the most commonly given words, read words for beginning readers, and they tend to be really good at it. So you have to give them some other things that they might not have seen. Um, one thing that can help with that is nonsense words. If you give them a nonsense word, can they figure it out? Just by listening, like if you just give them those sounds, can they figure out how to break it apart or how to put it together? That's that segmenting and blending. Um, deleting is something like say cat without k and it's their ability to just say at. And rhyming adds in that you've deleted a sound and you've replaced it with something else like b, bat. So all of those are aspects of, or demonstrations that a child has phonemic awareness. So they, they themselves are not the phonemic awareness, but they're activities that demonstrate a child's ability to that they have phonemic awareness, that they can un they can hear the individual sounds and words. And not hearing like they have a hearing problem, but that their brain can process each sound separately and not always putting them all together. So a more advanced version of this is actually Pig Latin. If kids have really good phonemic awareness, they can do Pig Latin. So think about what you're doing here. You're taking a word, and if you don't know Pig Latin, you'll understand with this. You're taking a word, you're taking off the initial sound. So we'll do cat again. So cat becomes at. Then you take that k and you put it at the end, at k, and you end it with a. All of them end with a. So at k. So it's the first sound and then or moved over, and then you can do like whole sentences with it. So, um, like I A N K Igs Ig Pay. Oh wait, I A N K Ix Pay Ig Pay Atenlay. I can't speak Pig Latin. Obviously, I'm not fluent. <laughs> but it, being able to do that requires really good phonemic awareness. So it's a fun game that I don't hear kids doing much anymore. 
And it's kind of a shame because it's a great fun game for them that makes them feel really special and, oh, I'm speaking something that you don't know how to speak, but it's actually really good phonemic awareness. So having strong phonemic awareness is important because phonemic awareness is directly related to the development of a strong phonics skill and being able to read and spell unknown words. If you see a word as a jumble of letters and you just like, oh, I don't know what it is, and then kids just guess, total guess. Maybe they look at the first letter and make a guess off of that. Maybe they make a guess based off of what other words are in the sentence and what would make sense. Depends on what kind of guesser they are. But what we want them to do is use those clues in the sentence and use that initial sound along with other sounds and know how to break a word apart into chunks and read it in chunks. So that's a, that's a use it requires phonemic awareness and phonics knowledge. And next month I'm going to get into phonics and how to develop phonics. So this week we're going to, this month we're going to be focusing just on that phonemic awareness part. Um, it's also spelling. So some kids become really strong sight readers. They can read by sight without really having very good phonemic awareness or very good phonics because they just hear it so much. They read out loud with people all the time and they become really great sight readers. And yet they tend to be really terrible spellers, which is a big clue that they probably have dyslexia or some kind of phonemic awareness, phonological processing disorder. So the phonological is that hearing of sounds and making sense of it with your brain, um, hearing the individual sounds and words. So if they don't know how to spell the word, they don't know how to figure out how to spell a word. They might have some basic phonics knowledge and they kind of try it, but they're missing sounds and they don't realize they're missing sounds. You know, a lot of times they'll have a beginning sound and an ending sound and leave out a middle sound. Or they might advance to, oh, well, they can do three-letter words, but they can't do four-letter words or five-letter words. They start to lose the sounds in the word, and they only put in some of the letters that are needed to make all the sounds. And they don't realize it because they have trouble with that segmenting a word that they're hearing or saying into its individual sounds. Because you have to be able to segment it into individual sounds to represent each of those sounds with a phonogram or a letter or a pair of letters. Um, phonogram would be a fancy way of saying that. And we'll get into that. So like I've kind of mentioned a couple of times, phonological awareness, phonemic awareness, both are hindered by dyslexia. Dyslexia is a phonological processing disorder or is very closely associated with it, depending on which definition you look at, which we've talked about in the past. But it's going to be hindered by dyslexia. A child's ability to blend, rhyme, segment, delete, all of that is going to be hindered by the way their brain is wired. Their brain is hearing a word as that whole thing seeing it as a whole thing. They're not breaking it into chunks, which is an important part of the English language. Um, as confusing as the English language may be to most of us. Um, so we have to keep in mind that what develops very naturally in a lot of 
kids without explicit instruction even. They just realize certain patterns and their brain makes sense of those patterns that they're seeing and they can apply it to other words that they've never been taught. It can happen naturally for so many kids. But if it's not happening naturally for your kid, your kid might have dyslexia. So you can have them evaluated or you can just treat them as if they have dyslexia because there are no strategies with teaching dyslexia that's really going to hurt anyone else's reading development. There are really great strategies in general. So the question is, so what can we do to support phonemic awareness development in those with dyslexia? What do we do about it? The first um, most often cited and that we're gonna kind of get into today is the Orton-Gillingham programs. So the Orton-Gillingham programs are about using phonemic awareness and phonics, explicit instruction, tons and tons of practice, way deeper than they usually do in kindergarten, first grade, et cetera, et cetera. So how do you do Orton-Gillingham at home? I'm so glad you asked because you don't have to pay and Orton Gillingham tutor to be able to use this, these philosophies at home, these strategies at home. Um, Orton Gillingham tutors are excellent. I definitely encourage you to get one if that's what you wanna do. But it's not your only option. You can teach your child these same exact strategies at home. And I can't get into all of the details of it in this podcast episode, but I'm gonna give you the basics. So the step, the first step is dragging out a word until your child can hear each sound. So you're not splitting it for them, you're just dragging it out. Example, cat. So they're, and I'm kind of doing a finger motion with it and encouraging them to do a finger motion with it. So there's multimodal learning happening and they're repeating it until they can really hear that it's starting with one sound there's a middle sound and there's an ending sound. And so our goal is to get them to be able to tell me k, at, as the three sounds of cat. And then you're gonna get progressively more complex. So we go from cat, and really what you wanna be using is nonsense words as much as you can because they're going to be words your child hasn't practiced with. So I might be doing fip, right? I'll say fip, fip. So I'm getting them to practice hearing it and then slowing it down, dragging it out until they can say fip. Well, then I'm going to get more complex and I might say, so then it goes from consonant, vowel, consonant is the easiest for most kids. And then we're gonna go vowel, consonant, consonant, like ip. So these are things that you can ahead of time look up on Google, list of CVC nonsense words, look up VCC nonsense words, or write out a list for yourself. You know, you want at least 10 of these for each one, and then you might need more if your kid needs more practice with each level. So then you're gonna need consonant, consonant, vowel. So now I might be going sp, i, sp. 
consonant, vowel, consonant, consonant. So now I'm going fisp and getting them to hear four sounds in a word or spiff and hearing those and then getting into con. So I've gone from consonant, vowel, consonant to vowel, consonant, consonant to consonant, consonant, vowel to consonant, vowel, consonant, consonant to consonant, consonant, vowel, consonant. I know this is all sounding like jumbled to you. Um, but just be thinking about what is the easiest. And um, I'll give you a quick little guide. If you go to the website, www.yourparenthelp.com. And then you go to the videos, find this video, Phonemic Awareness and Dyslexia. And there'll be a little blurb in there for you to be able to follow along with what the actual order of difficulty is. And then we would be going up to consonant, consonant, vowel, consonant, consonant. So this might be um, t, r, i, s, p, trisp, right? I've got a t, r, consonant, consonant, i, vowel, s, p, consonant, consonant. Okay. So your child is going to say each sound and when they're good at that before, so that's kind of the level of progression, but before you move from one to another, you're going with, they can say each sound. So, um, fip, they can say fip, they can delete one of them, say fip without ip, say fip without the last sound. So ideally, we want them to also be able to recognize what's the first sound, what's the last sound, what's the middle sound. So you might even ask them, what's the middle sound in fit? That they're being able to recognize that. You want them to then be able to trade one of the sounds. So say fip. Say, say, say the sounds in fit. Say fit without the f, i, p. Now start with b, b, i, p. So they're trading f for b. And you'd be doing this ideally with a visual. So like in the Barton method, they've got um, little colored tiles. And you can buy the Barton method. You could do it at home. You can also pay for a Barton tutor, of course but you'd be trading these color tiles and you're replacing one color with another color to show that this sound is changing. You are not using letters at this time. That's an important piece because kids start to rely on the letters and we really want them to be focused right now on just hearing the sounds and making sense of the sounds. It is harder and it is better for their phonemic awareness development. So you also want them to notice how it changes. Fip, bip, what changed? You want them to be able to tell you that the first sound changed. And then you also want them to be able to rhyme. What rhymes with fip, bip. So we're coming up with, you know, we're going from different, uh, different levels. So there's different skills within each one. So there's a lot here 
as you can tell, there's a lot to it, a lot that you can do um, with your child. And it's not rocket science. It is something that you yourself can do at home. Yes, it is easier if it's all laid out for you in a beautiful program like Barton. But you can put this all together yourself also. Not, um, you know, look at these pieces that I'm telling you and you can create it yourself. The strategy remains the same. Okay, some kids don't do well or aren't yet ready for FIP. FIP. It's too much, too hard, too far for them. Some kids need to start with um, pancake. What are the two parts of pancake? Pan, cake, ice cream, ice, cream, sunshine, sun, shine. So they're being able to tell you the two parts of a compound word. Some kids need to start here to be able to realize that words can get broken apart. So sometimes you have to start there before you get into that step one that I talked about before. You'll still get there, but some kids need a earlier starting point. So if your kid can't do FIP, no matter how many times you try, don't try too many times. If they're struggling with it, go back a little and try some compound words and telling them the compound word and having them figure out what the, com what the two words are. Make it a game, make it fun. Don't give prizes. Because um, then it becomes a thing and we don't like it. Listen to the motivation episodes, the motivation killers episode especially, and you'll understand what exactly I'm talking about and why I don't want you giving rewards. Okay, now for some kids, even the compound words is too much that there's they are not able to understand what you're talking about, that there's individual sounds in words, that you can break things apart. It's too much for them. Those kids need very explicit practice and instruction on the sound and on what a letter sound feels like in their mouth. So we want them to know that when they say what does that feel like? Your voice box is on. Your lips are pursed and popping open. So there is a program by Linda Moon Bell called the Lips Program. Again, don't have to pay Linda Mood Bell for their program. You can buy a kit and do it yourself or have someone do it who has the training or you can pay Linda Mood Bell for it. There's different options there. You also can just try to talk your child through feeling the sounds of letters. What do they notice? And it's gonna be interesting and enlightening for you when you start figuring out, what do I feel here? So if I'm trying to get them to feel each sound in FIP, I want them to feel, what do you notice with You want them to always check, is their voice box on? Nope. Same mouth, but now the voice box is on. So doesn't have a voice box, or the voice box isn't on. Eh. Okay. Eh. My mouth is open, sound is flowing freely. My mouth is in a particular shape. P no voice box again. P it's 
popping open, just like b, but b has the voice box on and p does not. So in the lips program, they call those lip poppers. Um, again, great program if you want to do it. It, to me, some kids with dyslexia also have a hard time with memorization. There's a lot of memorizing that this is called a lip popper and this is called a tip tapper and it, it can be, it can put an extra barrier to getting them to understand it. So while I think it's a great program, I also think that there's some downsides to it. Um, and if you can avoid it, <laughs> it's kind of better. It, you'll be able to make progress faster. If you can just get your child to feel fip, where does your mouth change? The first thing your mouth is doing is now what's your mouth doing? Ew. Okay. Now what's your mouth doing? Do you feel how your mouth changes from ip? And if they start noticing the feeling of their mouth, they can usually start breaking that apart. So I would try with that before I went into the lips program. Um, I've worked with hundreds of kids that struggle with this and I've only ever used the lips program once because I can get kids past what they, you know, I can get them to need to not need it. So I always try with, can I get you to not need it? It's very intensive um, and requires a lot of memorization of things that can already be really hard for them. But when you really need it, it can be helpful. So that's, that's my two cents on that. So your takeaway for today, really intensive little instruction on phonemic awareness. I want you to understand that phonemic awareness is important, but it's also difficult for those with dyslexia and for those with dyslexia, a systematic intervention is necessary for them to develop the phonemic awareness skills and support their phonics. Yes, they can learn to read by sight. A lot of people did, um, even who didn't have dyslexia because there was a whole generation or more who was raised on whole language, which didn't do a very good job of teaching phonics and phonemic awareness. And we became, I wasn't one of them, they became fluent readers, but they also will often tell you that they struggle with unknown words. They don't know what to do with an unknown word. They have trouble figuring out how to break it apart. They have trouble knowing how to spell a word that they don't already know how to spell. It requires a lot of memorization of sight words. And early in my career, that was something that was just expressed to me that some kids are just going to read by sight. They're not going to be phonetic readers. And at first I accepted it, but not for very long because I do research and I figured out that that's not the best option for most kids, probably for any kids. We want them to have that phonemic awareness because it prevents them from hitting a plateau later. So they might be able to do really well for several years, especially when there's a lot of things being read out loud to them or read with them. But then as they're being asked to do more and more reading independently and the words are getting longer, if they don't have that phonemic awareness and those phonics skills, they really hit a plateau and they start to feel like, what's wrong with me? Why can't I do well? And this is where you get some people with dyslexia don't find out they have dyslexia until high school or college or they're an adult and then their child is identified with it and they realize, oh, that's me. That's my problem. I had no idea what was wrong with me. I thought I was just dumb, which is horrible. Um, 
So we do always want to just support that. I want you to understand that kids with dyslexia have differently wired brains. They have wonderful superpowers as part of it, but they tend to struggle with phonemic awareness um, almost by definition. And it is in their best interest if we explicitly instruct phonemic awareness in a systematic way so they get lots of good practice in it. Short practice, I would recommend 10 minutes a day at most, or 10 minutes a couple times a day um, if you want to make progress a little bit faster and if your kid is okay with it. Especially if they have that buy-in, if they're a little bit older and they're like, oh, I can't, I want to know how to do this. I'm frustrated that I can't read. I'm like, okay, we've got a way that we can do it, but it requires you to do 10 minutes every morning and 10 minutes every afternoon. Are you willing to commit to that? If you've got their buy-in, you're golden, and then you're going to get a lot better progress from them. Um, and sometimes that's where having a tutor to start with can help because sometimes the tutor is that different dynamic and that can sometimes help with getting the kid to get buy-in, to start to feel successful, and then they might allow you to take over or to practice with them a little bit more. Um, one of the problems with tutors is generally they work very intensively with your child for like a full hour. And in this situation, a lot of times that's too much. You're really only getting the benefit of about the 10 or 15 minutes of it. And the rest is just practice and they kind of start to get frustrated or hate it. And it depends on the tutor and what else they might be doing with your child. So I'm not saying it's always bad, but be cautious, be aware. If somebody offers 10 minutes online, that might be better than an hour in person. So just again, my two cents, take with it what you'd like. So if you want to learn how to teach your own child with dyslexia and do it all yourself, there is a lot of information that I just gave you and you can definitely take that, piece it together and you are on your way. If you want a little more help in understanding how to do this, I do offer consultations, consulting, um, coaching, kind of said the same thing twice. You can email me, Kimberlyn at decodinglearningdifferences.com. I'll let you know my availability um, as of when this is airing, and we'll see if we can work something out to help you. Otherwise, I can get you on a wait list and help you as soon as possible. So again, email me, Kimberlyn at decodinglearningdifferences.com. I'd also love to know any stories you have about your child's struggles and what helped them or um, anything. I always love to hear stories. So I'd love to hear from you, Kimberlyn at decodinglearningdifferences.com. And I'll talk to you again next week.